Oi, tudo bem? This is Brazuca Sounds, hosted and produced by Leandro Vignoli. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome to Brazuca Sounds. Don't forget to rate the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It really helps me in order to reach more people. You can also follow a playlist on Spotify with every single song that I ever play uh, on this show here for more than two years or more than 20 hours of music available there. Uh, today we're going to talk about the history of forró, this music genre from the northeast in Brazil. Obviously, samba, it is the quintessential Brazilian music attached to the carnival parades uh, in February. But for her, it is also a big part of Brazilian culture. In the month of June, the San Jean Baptiste uh, parties in Brazil, and they are very attached with this music genre, this rhythm called forró. So this melody here it is one of the more recognizable in Brazilian music. It would be very unusual to meet a Brazilian person that cannot whistle this. And he's singing here, When I saw the burnt land like a bonfire in the party for St. John, I asked the Almighty God, do we deserve this suffering? As Abranga talks about the difficulties of living in the Northeast, the wilderness, desert, poverty, the lack of resources, and just by listening to the melodies, it doesn't strike us as a sad song, but it is about the dry soil and the lack of rain, uh, so intense that makes even this white bird Hence the name of the song, Asa Branca, uh, to migrate, obviously also a metaphor for all the big migration of Northeast population to the center of Brazil, most notably Rio de Janeiro and São Paulo. And ironically, by migrating, Luiz Gonzaga, the singer, the performer, the songwriter here, he became responsible for taking Northeast culture to a larger audience in Brazil in the 1940s, and he became a superstar in the 50s. It is the third most recorded song in Brazil ever. Which was very regional and local until that point, now is massively popular in the whole country. This is even before. Bossa Nova, Tropicalia, Forró and Baião was the most dominant popular genre in Brazil. Uh, and he was from Pernambuco, 
the birth state of Foho, but he really represented all the northeast region. He was nicknamed the King of Bayon. Bayon is kind of this stepbrother of Foho, very similar genres, some small variances. another phrase that's absolutely epic. They may revoke your Brazilian citizenship if you don't know this melody here. Eu vou mostrar pra vocês como se dança o baião e quem quiser aprender é favor prestar atenção uh, I'm gonna show you how to dance the bayon, and if you wanna learn, you better pay attention. So that's literally the song name, bayon. Being from Pernambuco, Luiz Gonzaga was more attached to the bayon, hence his nickname, the king or hey. And these two songs, Asa Branca and Baião, they were co-written uh, between Luiz Gonzaga and Humberto Ferreira, who was a lawyer from Rio. And they got together and wrote more than a dozen songs together. Humberto Ferreira even became a congressman at some point of his life, although not a musician, his songwriting contributions has an invaluable importance to the history of Forró, Asa Branca from 47, Baião from 49. They are technically a Baião, both songs. Uh, as I said, the rhythm is pretty much the same. The BPM are similar. What the accordion does is also equal. It's very nuanced, but there is a subtle difference in the Zabumba, the drums. So Baião is mostly the groove is in the second peak, like Before all the groove is in the opening of the pick, like boom, tick, boom, tick. clip that I showed you here is on YouTube, Como Descobrir o Ritmo, with Léo Rodrigues. If you're interested in percussion in Brazil, you should definitely look for this guy there, Léo Rodrigues. Uh, so, okay, there is a small difference, right? And just because I showed you two songs that are technically a baião, here's the first very successful forró ever recorded. Seu delegado, digo a vossa senhoria, eu sou filho de uma família que não gosta de voar. So this is Forró de Mano Vito. So all these genres, the original version of you was just three instruments, right? The accordion, the zabumba, the drums, as I said before, and also the triangle. Another small variance in Forró, which is not mandatory, but normally the case, they have humor lyrics. So here's the song about a guy trying to prove to the judge that he's a family man, not a killer. He was just dancing 
dancing with this gal, Rosinha, when another man tried to prohibit it and start a fight. So our anti-hero here, he had to defend himself with his knife, ended up charging this guy with his knife and whatnot. So that's the reason he, he needs to explain to the judge that he was not a killer. And that all happened in this house of Mané Vito, Forró de Mané Vito, song originally from 1950. Zé Dantas is also a legendary music partner. Uh, of Luis Gonzaga, also from Pernambuco, and like Humberto Ferreira was not a musician, he was originally a doctor. You know, later in the 50s he also became sort of a manager for Luis Gonzaga, and they released this album here as a duo. Uh, Zedantas, unfortunately, only three years later died uh, with liver problems, he was only 42 years old. And another absolutely classic from this same record is Shot das Meninas. Mandacaru quando fulora na seca É um sinal que a chuva chega no sertão Toda menina que enjoa da boneca É sinal que o amor já chegou no coração Meia comprida não quer mais sapato baixo So establish the forró in Bayão they have the same roots, but two other subgenres are also very predominant in their realm. One, it is Shachi. This song here, as you can hear, is way slower. And this is the quintessential song to dance together, right? In pair, two steps to the left, two steps to the right, that kind of thing. The name Shachi is a variant of Schottisha, uh, the German polka of sorts, although Schottisha means Scottish in German. So also really in the Scotland tradition with the accordion and Shachi in Brazil, vastly popular, not only in the Northeast, but also in the deep South and its large German-slash-Italian heritage. This sentence here, Ela só quer, só pensa em namorar. It is another verse that is encapsulated in Brazilian culture. Everybody knows. Ela só quer, só pensa em namorar. Ela só quer, só pensa em namorar. De manhã cedo já tá pintada. Só vive suspirando, sonhando acordada. O pai leva o doutor, a filha doentada. Não come, nem estuda, não dorme, nem quer nada. Ela só quer, só pensa em namorar. Ela só quer, só pensa em namorar. Mas o doutor nem... In another variance of a ho, and bayon, and shoti, and this other subgenre, it's called chachado. So now here is exactly the opposite, right? Chachado is a very fast-paced type of forró. Originally, these songs were created by the bandidos, 
the gang members of Lampion in the 1940s. There was this group of mercenaries in the northeast Brazil that were like very anti-government. It was a song normally played only for men, you know, which eventually will also not be the case anymore. You can definitely dance chachado in pair these days. <laughs> Uh, so this is all the variances of rhythms and I purposely chose Luis Gonzaga to show you all these uh, different branches like Luis Gonzaga was able to do about anything with his accordion. One of the most famous names in Brazilian history of music and obviously uh, in the mid-60s as well, because of Bossa Nova, because of the rock movement in Brazil, Jovem Guarda, Luis Gonzaga kind of became ostracized a little. Still very influential, but not very mainstream, not selling a lot of records anymore in the 1970s and 80s. And another guy who's definitely in the pantheon of the Brazilian Northeast culture, uh, it is Jackson do Pandeiro, unlike Gonzaga, who plays the accordion, Jackson dominated the percussion. So Jackson do Pandeiro was raised in a total rural area in the state of Paraíba. Uh, there is this big debate if the authentic forró came first in Pernambuco or Paraíba to different states. Many songs are in fact about traveling around those states, discovering new ways of playing, dancing. This song here is called Forró de Limoeiro. Limoeiro is a city in Pernambuco, so it is Jackson do Pandeiro traveling from one state to the other and acknowledging there were different ways of doing it. So he's singing that he went to Limoeiro and he did like the forró from there and he decided to introduce also his percussion elements. <laughs> This is from his debut LP, released in 1955, the Copacabana Records. And I chose this song here because he co-wrote the lyrics with his partner, Almira Castillo, super present in Jackson discography as a songwriter and also present in the album Covers, uh, 1959 Records iconic album cover, Almira with a machete on Jackson do Pandeiro's snack, and that's the album where he recorded his first uh, big hit, uh, the song Chiclete com Banana. Eu só boto bipap no meu samba quando o tio Santo tocar um tamborim. 
So as you noticed, not very for hot with all this brass. It didn't get any attention when released, no accordion, until the 1970 version, which is a Jackson Pandeiro masterclass in the percussion, and it is the version that I like the most. Jackson do Pandeiro was a big exponent of forró, but his instrument, his nickname is Pandeiro, which is more attached to samba. So we can argue that he was more influential percussionist in Brazil in those 40s and 50s, and he was also in favor of a blending genre, samba, forró, very different elements. He mastered not only the zabumba, but also the bongo, the ganza, before taking on the pandeiro, uh, which resembles like a tambourine, right? Uh, ironically, he's holding a guitar on the album cover of this 1970 album, Aqui Tô Eu, Here I Am, I will only mix bebop in my samba if the Uncle Sam plays the tambourine. So this song is pretty much about jazz musicians, especially Americans, misrepresenting authentic Brazilian music. It was around the time that jazz musicians was heavily uh, influenced by bossa nova and samba. Gilberto Gil made the song very famous in the album Espresso do. 2222 from 1972 is probably also the first time the expression samba rock was used in a song. Samba rock, that genre that will be mastered by Jorge Ben. And another old song of Jackson do Pandeiro who made into this 1970 album that I really like, it is the classic Sebastiana. So Sebastian is another song from the early 50s, here re-recorded in 1970. So he invites this girl to a dance party in Paraíba, and Sebastiana is her name, that's the title of the song, another big hit. And this girl, she came up with this very unusual dance. It is the Chachado. That, as I told you earlier, it was prominently a male's solo dance. So this song here is actually about breaking that barrier, making the song also available for the females, and even more importantly, dancing in pairs, right? The genre here is obviously a chachado, more fast-paced, and many of you may know Gal Costa's version. So, for her and Bayan culture was a big 
influence for all those artists. And if Luis Gonzaga put the Northeast culture on the map, Jackson do Pandeiro made a point of expanding their horizon even further. As you notice, there's not even accordion whatsoever that only appears for a few seconds in the bridge of the song. So Jackson do Pandeiro was the first guy really blending genres in Brazil. Instruments, sounds that used to not go hand in hand. So he was forró, baião, but also coco, chachado, obviously, samba. He was considered the king of rhythm, o rei do ritmo. It's very fascinating that everybody has a nickname and everybody's a king of sorts. And in fact, two of Jackson do Pandeiro's more famous songs are Samba Forró. So look, all these guys, you're probably better off with compilations, right, of their best. Uh, but this album here, it is his epitome record of 1966, O Cabra da Peste. Capoeira mata um Samba que balança é bom Samba que balança não cai meu samba tem que ser no tom apetito do meu pai absolutely classic song from that same album also in more like a samba territory it is called a ordem é o samba é samba que eles querem eu tenho é samba que eles querem lá vai é samba que eles querem eu canto Samba what they want, I have it. It's samba what they want, here it is. Samba what they want, I sing it. The order is samba and nothing more. That's the 1960s, right? So, Bossa Nova was there, the Jovem Guarda was there, Tropicalia was coming. So, nobody wanted to actually hire these guys anymore. So, the song is a clever diss on this idea that recorded labels were only interested in samba slash Bossa Nova. It was the album he released by Copacabana right after being laid off by Phillips. This song became a huge success of his career, not exactly at the time, but in the mid-70s, beginning of the 80s, when Jackson again became a huge influence on modern artists, always re-recording his songs from the past, Uh, he died in the 1980s of diabetes. He was 62 uh, years old. He was born in 1919, so more than 100 years ago. And pretty much the history of Forró and Bayon are concentrated in those two guys, Luis Gonzaga and Jackson do Pandeiro, but obviously sensational artists as well, like the absolutely great Sivuca. So here's Sivuca, he's also from the state of Paraíba. He was pretty much responsible for the internationalization of Forró, so to speak. Obviously, 
Sivuk is known for a vast discography and a variety of music genres, from jazz to playing bar. Uh, one of those guys recognized more outside Brazil than in his own country. Unfortunately, in fact, he lived in the USA for 12 years, where he played mostly the guitar. He's also famous self-titled record for reprise. He's holding a guitar. But in Brazil, he was primarily perceived as a sanfoneiro, like a sanfona player. Uh, sanfona is the way people in the Northeast refer to this instrument, the accordion. Uh, and this song in the background, obviously, right, heavily melody-based with the accordion from... He went back to Brazil late in the 1970s and he released many seminar records, including a series of albums named Forró e Frevo, Frevo is a type of a carnival-inspired genre from the Northeast as well. So all those records pretty much paying tribute to his roots. This song here is called Fava de Cheiro, instrumental, written by Sivuca and his wife, Glorinha Gadelha. So, in Brazil, Sivuca was always, always a synonym of forró, uh, and he obviously inspired many musicians, more notably Hermeto Pascual, which was also a bino, also from the Northeast, also with a brilliant international career. It's very common to confuse those two, even in Brazil. Uh, but for all Sivuca's worldwide status, as I said, Sivuca is from Paraíba, and all his early work in the 1950s are either forró and baião, mostly inspired by Luiz Gonzaga. And, in fact, all his early recordings, 51, 52, were sang by Carmelia Alves. Not only that, she was kind of responsible to bring Sivuca to São Paulo. And probably the most famous song written by Sivuca ever, it was performed first by her, Carmelia Alves. Adeus, Maria Fulô. way or another, if you like Brazilian music, you know this song, Mutantes, had a cover in their debut album, uh, in a more tropicalia vibe, Sivuca recorded in his self-titled album for reprise records, very different version though, this is how the song was made originally, a classic bayon, the accordion, the zabumba, the triangle, this baritone voice of Carmelia Alves from her album called Rainha do Bayon. So, if Luis Gonzaga was the king, she was the queen, a nickname that Gonzaga himself gave to Carmelia Alves. She's one of those radio-era singers, right? A crooner, right around the time of Carmen Miranda. But unlike many of the other great singers of that era, Carmelia famously became 
the female voice of Forron and Bayonne. Less ballads, less lounge piano songs, and more this fast-paced Forron. And it helped that she was from Rio de Janeiro, born and raised where all the labels and national radio stations were concentrated. But her roots are from the Northeast as well. Her parents are from the Northeast, father from Ceará, mother from Paraíba, another queen from that era, the Rainha do Chachado. It's our next artist here, Marines. So, this is my favorite song of all songs that I will play here today. I absolutely love this groove, the lyrics, everything about it. It's called Do Lado de Lá, From the Other Side, uh, by Marines e Sua Gente, Marines and her gang. Original copy of this record from 1960 currently goes for $1,700 on Discogs. Super expensive, never reissued. And one common thing about the records on RCA Victor is that besides every song name, there was always the rhythm that the song was played. So this record here has Xochitl, Chachado, Bayan, Forró, and this song here, at least according to the record, is technically a Maracatu. Maracatu. Which is also a subgenre from the Northeast, specifically from Pernambuco, which is more percussive than reliant so much in the accordion. Marinez was really, really the first female singer from the Northeast to be like a national success. She initially was a vocalist for Luis Gonzaga's band, uh, and Marinez was a big influence on Maria Bethânia. Gal Costa, Nara Leão, you name it. And, and eventually she put together this group, uh, Marinese Sua Gente, with her husband, Abdias. Here, the primary instrument is the viola, the guitars, which was not common at all in forró uh, bands or artists. But this was Marinese and Sua Gente doing something different. Uh, by the way, her husband was the accordion player. So Abdias originally moved from his state to Alagoas, which is a neighbor state working in a radio station, replacing there a young and talented Hermeto Pascual, who had just moved 
out to Rio de Janeiro, he ended up receiving an invite to be the regional executive director of CBS, which is today's Sony Music. So Abdias was responsible to release 80% of all Northeast artists, just like Luis Gonzaga, Sivuca, and Hermeto Pascual. Abdias, he was very, very influential. Sometimes they would release records as a band, Marines e Sua Gente, sometimes just solo records, just with her name and her face, Marines. She was considered the Luis Gonzaga and Skirt. <laughs> So Ari Lobo had a style similar to Jackson do Pandeiro, blending different uh, styles, the Forró, Baião, Coco, died in 1980, he's only 50 years old. Many of these guys, they have like a very significant hard life. This particular song here, Ultimo Pau de Arara, it is an emblematic song about the resilience of the Northeastern people forced to migrate to urban centers, as I said before, Rio and Sao Paulo. Pau de Arara is literally the name of this vehicle, like an improvised truck, and take long journeys from their homelands to Sao Paulo or Rio, trips of five, six, seven days. And this song, Ultimo Pau de Arara, is the last Pau de Arara. So it's technically Ari Lobo singing about that will be his last option. Only if he really cannot find work or food or how to sustain his family, there will be his last resort go on top of one of those to this long journey. An absolute famous song in Brazil is also recorded by Clara Nunes in 72. One guy who had an absolutely hard life and in fact traveled once uh, from his homeland to uh, Rio de Janeiro, on top of a Pau de Arara, is our next guy here, João do Vale. Pisa na flor, pisa na flor, pisa na flor, não matata, meu amor. So this is João do Vale, he's from way up northeast the city of San Luis, state of Maranhão. So João do Vale was also one of those blending between the Northeast Forró and the more urban uh, samba. That's how he met Nara Leão, for instance. He was part of the very famous play Opinião. If you heard the podcast about Nara Leão, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It was one of these plays about a person from the urban center and white, Nara Leão, a guy from the favelas, the sambista Zecchetti, and one guy from the northeast that was played by João do Vale, so he was a singer and actor in that play, but this song on the background, his more famous written song, Pisa na Fulô. Pisa na Fulô, Pisa na Fulô, não matar pelo amor. De madrugada, 
was talking about hard life, that's what happened with João do Vale uh, after being part of that ensemble theater that was heavily persecuted by the military regime in Brazil. Nara Leão ended up taking off to Paris and many of those other guys from MPB going to different places as well, right? Caetano Veloso and Gilberto Gil to London, Chico Buarque to Italy, but João do Vale here, he was like a poor man. He could go anywhere, was arrested and only released with the promise that he would shut up. So he went back all the way to his very small town in the northeast where he stayed for about 14 years. Uh, João de Valle will only record again in 1979. Another song written by uh, João do Vale is very much associated with a different artist, Tim Maia. It is this song here. Coronel Antônio Bento, quando fez o casamento de sua filha Maria, ele não quis sanfoneiro e foi pro Rio de Janeiro, contratou veneno pra tocar. Oi, Nesse dia so you probably know this song here with Tim Maia's version on his debut album classic Coroné Antonio Bento. This was a cover though, written by João do Valle that I was showing you before, and this guy here. Luis Vanderlei, the original song is from 1960 and has even a different name. It is Matuto Transviado, not Coronel Antonio Bento. That was just a character in the song. And unlike many of the other artists I show you here, Luis Vanderlei was more of a performer, a singer, dancer, not a musician per se, obviously also a songwriter. So he introduced many humoristic touch to Forró and his songs, uh, a storytelling more or less. This particular here is about a military colonel, Antonio Bento, who during his daughter's wedding didn't want to hire a sanfonero, meaning the accordion player, but a pianist instead to play the rock and roll. It was a satire, more or less, against the Jovem Guarda movement, Roberto Carlos, Erasmo, Vanderlei, etc. Coronel Antônio Bento, quando fez o casamento de sua filha Maria. Foi ele não quis sanfoneiro e foi pro Rio de Janeiro. Maia's version they omit, or he omits, the second part of the song where this criticism is a little more evident. As a performer, Luis Vanderlei probably recorded almost every forró popular in Brazil. And he was quite popular in the 1950s, but when the genre became ostracized uh, in the late 60s and 70s, he would go uh, to this Sunday afternoon TV shows to be like somewhat of a comedic relief there. He will kneel down in front of the audience asking the host to perform. Obviously all scripted, but kind of ridiculing himself 
But this song here on the background, quite iconic, right? Many people in Brazil, they don't even know that Team Maya version was actually a cover. But anyway, Luis Vanderlei was very influential nonetheless in this humoristic forró, especially this guy here, Genival Lacerda. Genival Lacerda really carried on his career through the 1970s, 80s, and 90s, even when Forró was not even that popular anymore. Uh, he used to Forró what Bezerra da Silva was to Samba, right? A street mart, bohemian lifestyle, a lot of humor. Uh, this song here in the background, Que Malandro Você É, what kind of hustler are you? So, Genival Lacerda used to have a lot of songs with a double meaning, like this one. Quem não conhece Severina Chique Chique que botou uma boutique para a vida melhorar? Pedro Caroço, filho de Zé Fagamela, passa o dia na esquina fazendo a cena pra ela. Ele tá de olho, é na boutique dela. Ele tá de olho, é na boutique dela. Ele tá de olho. So the song here is called Severina Chique Chique. It is about a girl who opens a clothing boutique. And this guy across the street cannot take his eyes off her boutique. You know, boutique in that case is not the store, right? So he was really looking at something else about that girl here using boutique as a double meaning. It was an astronomical hit in Brazil, classic karaoke song, every time Genival Lacerda switched labels uh, in the 1980s and 90s, he re-recorded the song for the new label. Unfortunately, Genival Lacerda died very recently, last year. He was 89 years old and he died of COVID. Another astronomical hit in Brazil, even today, it is this next song here. Morena, diga onde é que tu tá, onde é que tu tá, onde é que tava tu? Passei a noite procurando tu, procurando tu, procurando tu. Passei a noite procurando tu, procurando tu, procurando tu. Eu vivo triste, meu amor, me beija. So this is a trio called Trio Nordestino. They are from Bahia. And Trio Nordestino, they carried their career since the 1960s. Like, almost every year they released a record from 61 all the way to 69. They were kind of responsible for the resurgence of uh, in the 1970s as well. Literally in 1970, uh, when this song here came out, Procurando Tu. Tava tu, passei a noite procurando tu. It was written by Antonio Barros. Many, many songs in the Faha Pantheon were written by this guy, Antonio Barros. And this is, was by far the biggest hit of Trio Nordestino. Sold more than a million copies throughout the 1970s. They were kind of also responsible for the resurgence of Luis Gonzaga, the king of Bayon in the 1970s. The guy started going on tour uh, with Trio Nordestino all over Brazil. Eu fiquei tão triste, eu fiquei tão triste naquele São João. 
São João, São João. The big parties in Brazil in the celebration of San John Baptiste. After Carnival, the Junin parties, Festa Junina, is the largest celebration in Brazil. In case you don't know, obviously Carnival is more attached to Samba, so the Junin parties, they're more attached to Forró, right? Especially in the Northeast, it's all over Brazil, but especially in the Northeast, we have two big, big celebrations. As I said previously on this podcast, there were big rivalry between the best Forró, between Paraíba and Pernambuco, and all the dressing up is also very particular. Women normally wear flower dresses with ruffles, boots, straw hats, and braids in their hair. Uh, it is a celebration of the rural style. It is the countryside in Brazil, right? The caipiras, as we say there. And this particular song, talking about these parties, San Juan, was written by Dominguinhos, the guy in Brazilian forró. <laughs> So here it is, Dominguinhos. He was, in fact, the man behind this resurgence of forró in the 1970s. Um, in Brazil, he's the most popular forró artist ever, probably only behind Luis Gonzaga, as I said before. This song in the background is literally named Este é Forró. This is Forró also written with his partner, Anastasia. He hails from the rural Pernambuco. He met, in fact, Luis Gonzaga when he was seven years old in front of a hotel in his hometown. Luis Gonzaga was there to play a concert. Dominguinhos were there just busking with his siblings. Uh, and from that, Luis Gonzaga promised if Dominguinhos ever made it into Sao Paulo to give him a call, and so Dominguinhos did. When he was 13 years old, he traveled with his father and took a pau de arara, as I explained before, one of those overcrowded, improvised trucks, uh, and traveled 11 days. So Luis Gonzaga actually fulfilled his promise and gave Dominguinhos an 80 basses accordion. So nearly every song in Dominguinhos in his first 10 years were just instrumental for her, but he will reach a stardom by mid-70s when he actually started singing. Quero um chamego. Dominguinho's career can be split in three phases, right? The virtuoso before, the performer, this one, and the godfather more in the last 20 years when he was always like introducing new artists. Mid 1970s became very influential to many MPB guys in Brazil as well. He played in Gal Costa, seminal album India. Uh, also with Gilberto Gil many times, and he introduced 
bass, drum, guitar and other elements to Faha, the urbanization of Faha, as Luis Gonzaga will refer. Uh, and he wrote this song here, Quero Um Chamego, with his wife again, Anastasia. <laughs> And this record here, Domingos, Menino Dominguinhos, from 76, I could do an entire podcast about it. It is that good from top to bottom. Uh, but his most famous song, though, uh, it will be recorded only in the 1980s. <laughs> So this is probably a top five of the more recognizable Forros uh, songs among Brazilians. It is in fact is not even a Forró, it's a Chachado. This album has a lot of guests, not only Chico Buarque in this particular song here performing, but also Luis Gonzaga, Sivuca, all the masters of the genre. Sivuca always described Dominguinhos like a genius, and Sivuca was always say as well that nobody plays the forró better than Dominguinhos. That's where we're gonna transition here to the end of our show with some rapid-fire commentary on very classic forró songs from the 1970s and 80s from artists that were normally not attached uh, to forró. So this is Gilberto Gil and his classic Eu Quero Um Xodó. It was recorded as a B-side in 1973 for a future album that at the time it was never released. This song is written by Dominguinhos and Anastasia. The lyrics is more Anastasia. It was originally written uh, to be recorded by Marinés, but Gilberto Gil, when Dominguinhos was playing with him on a tour, he was fooling around playing the song, and Gilberto Gil liked it so much that he decided to record himself. Uh, and Gilberto Gil, unlike other MPB artists who were influenced by Forró, Caetano, Gal Costa, etc., Gilberto Gil was more involved with the whole scene, right? In his album Refazenda, there are two more Forró's written by Dominguinhos. And even later on, Gilberto Gil continued to release many Forró's in his career, including the very famous soundtrack for the movie Eu, tu, eles, me, you, then. So here's another artist that was not necessarily involved with the forró. This is Clara Nunes. Obviously, a samba hero. Fumo de rola, rio de cangaia. Eu vim pra vender quem quer comprar. 
Bolo de milho, broa e facada É alguém pra vender quem quer comprar Pede moleque e ali trinca nela Moleque sai daqui e me deixa trabalhar Quiser só o correndo pra feira dos pássaros e papas But the song here is Feira de Mangaio by Sivuca. The lyrics was actually written by his wife, Glorinha Gadelha, when they were both living in New York. She wrote this song inside the subway after an English class, and she ended up finalizing the lyrics inside a McDonald's. So there's a lot of mystique around this particular song here. It is about a fair in the Northeast. And obviously, Clara Nunes is the performer here. Basi Vuka, the author of the song, is the person playing the accordion. Jackson do Pandeiro, the master, it is playing his pandeiro here on the song as well. So, this artist, not necessarily involved with forró, they were getting a lot of influence and also paying a tribute in introducing the forrozeiros to a bigger audience, just like this next song here. O chamego dá prazer, o chamego faz sofrer, o chamego às vezes dói, às vezes não, o chamego às vezes rói, o coração, todo mundo quer saber o que é o chamego, ninguém sabe se ele é branco, se é so this song here, it is Chamego, originally written by Luis Gonzaga all the way back in the 1950s, but it became way more popular with this version on Fafá de Belém debut record of 1976. Uh, the accordion is played by Dominguinhos, the exactly same band that Dominguinhos recorded his album that I mentioned before, Domingos Menino Dominguinhos. And this song here is obviously very, very, very popular in Brazil, especially this version here. O chamego dá prazer, o chamego faz sofrer, o chamego às vezes dói, às vezes não, o chamego às vezes dói, o coração, todo mundo quer saber o que é o chamego, ninguém sabe se ele é branco. The next song here also by a female singer, Elba Ramalho. Elba Ramalho was totally, totally influenced by Forró uh, since the get-go. She's the cousin of Zé Ramalho. This song here is extremely popular from the 80s. Bate Coração, written by Antonio Barros. I mentioned the guy before, not long ago. This, when many of the artists, they were transitioning from record labels to Ariola setting up shop in Brazil, more or less, in the beginning of the 1980s. So all the records were pretty much produced by the same guy, Marcos Mazola, and he was really, really obsessed, and every single of these albums have, like, at least one forró. So, like I said, Elba Ramalho is from the Northeast, right? She's from Paraíba, so it was not very foreign to her record a forró which was not the case of this next artist here, also releasing an album by Ariola in Brazil. Nunca vi rastro de cobra, nem couro de lobisomem, se correr o bicho pega, se ficar o bicho come, porque eu sou é homem, porque eu sou é homem, menina sou é homem, so this is Ney Mato Grosso, right? Famous 
being like the vocalist of the rock group Secos e Molhados, and then he transitioned to a solo career that he was even more famous in Brazil. This song here is called Homem com H, written by the same guy as before, Antonio Barros, and as I said, produced uh, by the same guy as before, but Neymar to Grosso really, really didn't want to record the song. He always felt like he had nothing to do with the culture, nothing to do with the music genre. There's like a connotation of sexuality there. Also, the reason that he didn't want to sing the song. Uh, Neymar to Grosso never had a problem with his sexuality. He was always a very androgynous man. So that was actually his problem. He thought the song was ridiculing people with a different uh, sexual orientation. Omen com H means like a man with a capital M. ended up there, he recorded the song and became one of the most played songs in the year 1982 in the country, top five massive song that Neymar to Grosso play even up to these days on his concerts. Producer Marcos Mazzola and his record label Ariola were a little bit pasteurizing the music genre a little bit. Alceu Valencia was also in our podcast about Northeast music released last year. He's from the state of Pernambuco. Alceu Valencia is a guitar player primarily. But what he really, really wanted to do was elevate and take Forró to somewhere else, to expand the horizon. And that's what he did in 1984 with the absolutely classic Anunciação. As you notice there, it's a primarily uh, electric guitar, right? So it doesn't sound like a forró, but all the rhythm, all the other things around the guitar, they really are all the forró notes. So, electrification of the forró, and he really did. This song is an absolutely classic in Brazil, even today. The classic song to dance. Alceu Valença always wrote songs about mystical elements, the angel, other elements of Brazilian folklore. And this particular song here, it is the angel actually announcing on a Sunday morning through the bells of the cathedral that something is coming up, something is coming up. In fact, it meant the democracy in Brazil, right? So it was one of those songs uh, disguised as something else, but it was an inherently political song, a metaphor for the ending of the dictatorship around that time, 84, 85, 86. Not only was a classic Faha song, there's a lot of political connotation as well. One of the most brilliant written songs. Tu vens, tu 
And that puts an end on this show here. Hopefully you enjoyed. It was a little longer than usual. 30 songs that kind of represent the history of Forró and Bayon and Shotty and Shashad. I'm pretty much sure I play way more than 30 songs at the end. But that's how it goes, right? I got excited and I kept talking and talking. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to rate this show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. All these songs that I play here are in full and a playlist on Spotify called Brazuca Sounds Soundtracks. See you next time. Bye-bye. This was Brazuca Sounds with Leandro Vignoli. Thank you for listening and see you next time.